And we live, baby. We live. We live. Welcome back to another episode of Helping Homies Win, the podcast. Tools for lifting the generation. This is I'm your in, boy, okay. T. Ross. Thought we were just going back and forth. We like switched tennis. roles. We switched roles. We did. We did. We did. We you got to just go with the flow. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Hopped into it. I wasn't listening. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good. That's a good. I'm Antonio J. Bell. And I would like to introduce our special guest for today. First time with the homies. Miss Ashley Christina Miller. What's cracking? Full name. What's up? Yeah, government out here. So interesting. People like calling me by my full name. Because it, like, it goes together and stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's my Instagram name, but... That's who. Right? The full name. I see, I see the plug. I see the plug. So follow her on Instagram. <laughs> that at, was not... At, that Ash, was, at Ashley Christina <laughs> Miller. Miller. Spelled like every normal Ashley and Christina. That's lit. Yes, follow me. That was, that was not That was a shameless plug. I feel you, Ashley. That's what's up. That's a way to start the podcast, yo. You know what I think? And it's she's fire too, fella. So you're going to, I mean, oh, okay. it's about to be boom. Your DM's about to be popping, I bet. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know how that goes when this drops. Hey, um, I like to call people by their Instagram handles. Do you? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm going to call out somebody else unnecessarily. But yeah, I like to call people by their, by their handles. So it's cool that yours is that. Yeah. Is your actual name. Me and my friends were having an interesting, well, not interesting, but we were talking about what were our aim names back in the day. Oh, what was yours? Um, okay, so I had Attitude of 425. Sexy Mother Foxy with two eyes. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. Run that I back. Know. Run that back. Say it again. <laughs> no, I know. Say it again. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so I know. bad. I sound like we don't have to bleep that out. Is that what we're talking <laughs> Sexy Mother Foxy with two eyes. Okay. And then uh, Ten Toes No Split, you know, when Nipsey came out with his song, it was that was, that was my names. Wow. And I wow. rotated between those three. Wow. What about yours? My favorite is Sexy Mother Foxy. I don't know, I think that I don't know what Instagram I was thinking. Handle. No. Yes, it should. Thank God for growth. Yo, <laughs> when we drop this, we got to put the homies chopper at Sexy Mother Foxy. <laughs> so y'all didn't have an interesting aim name? No. No. no? Mine was, uh, I think, I don't know why there was X's in it, but XXTMoney23XX or something, I think. It wasn't anything that. like crazy. Mm. Mine was arrogant. It was uh, T. Ross the Great. That's good. Like with the what GR8, king, I was a king. King Ross? Still am a king. Um, <laughs> okay. What up? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had uh, M-N-Y-C-R-B. So it looks like money like money crib, but it really was money, cars, and uh, basketball. Wow. But you know who? I, I did at the time. Did you? Mm-hmm. I did. Okay. Trap was my thing, but I did who? I've never seen a basketball in your hands. and We've known each other for what? Five years. There it is. Or something. There it is. Yeah. Only five? Yeah. You would think more. I'm not gonna keep falling for you guys' jokes. This is listen, that's real. That's <laughs> really? real. No, that's seriously. Real. I met him in like twenty twelve, I think. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, maybe six years now. Wait, yeah, maybe six, but yeah, like twenty twelve or something. That's amazing. No, before that, it was like twenty twenty eleven, I think. Whenever you threw late late, late night detention two mm-hmm. is when I met you. That was a function. Yeah, because Tarek was ratchet. Um, we all were, but we grow. Sexy mother foxy. <laughs> so, so sexy Let's, mother foxy. We're, no, um. we're, you can address me, Ashley, you know, or, Listen. you know, my kids call me Emily. Yeah, how many kids you got? Not I got real, one. Not real kids. It's cool if you got my kids, My students, Ashley. I'm a teacher. These, these well, dudes out here. real kids? They're not, okay. They're my, they're my kids, but not my biological kids. Okay, there it is. There it is. There it okay. is. Yeah, but my kids, kids in heart, yes. Okay. So I was about to say, you're, you're like, your, your comeback game post-baby is, is like, it's is crazy. Yeah. If you, if you have babies, you feel me? I'll save that 
compliment for later, but no. <laughs> you go put just, that one in your back my, pocket. Yeah, just just my students. Dope, dope. So you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. Where at? At Crenshaw High School, right Crenshaw. in the city. At the Shaw. Yeah, I've been there for four years. I started straight out of college, and okay. it was important for me to teach in the community that I grew up in. And so, Crenshaw was actually my first interview. Oh, really? Yeah, and the rest was history. I've been there ever since. Dope, dope. Do you enjoy it? I do. It's been a journey. Really? So what yeah. do you teach? I teach uh, high school, of course, but I'm a special education teacher. Oh, dope. Yeah, so advocating for students with disabilities inside okay. the classroom, making sure they can access the content. It's a full inclusion model, so mm-hmm. everyone is in one class. Students okay. with disabilities, um, regular gen ed students, we're all in there together, learning, trying to be our best selves. Okay. And so I make sure my kids are able to access the content, make sure they're able to pass their classes, they have the mm-hmm. accommodations that they need. Maybe they need to sit closer to the board or maybe they need extended time or a graphic organizer to help them write an essay. That's what I do. So you're teaching in an integrated classroom where you have students that are quote unquote normal, I guess. Right, quote and unquote. And then quote unquote. And then you have you know students with special needs, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all learning so how, how does that, how do you balance the curriculum? Like, you know what I mean? When you say balance, like how do you make it work? Yeah, in a sense, like how, how do you, how do you, do you teach the same material to everybody in the classroom? Uh, it's the same material, but maybe it's just broken down in a different way. So maybe mm. the goal or the standard is to write a five paragraph essay or, you know, argumentative essay. And maybe some of my kids, instead of writing five paragraphs, they'll write three. Or maybe okay. some will write five, but they'll have extended time. Okay. Or maybe they'll have a graphic organizer or something to help them along the way mm-hmm. to reach it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But outside of the classroom, I would say I'm a strategic change agent. I like to use that okay. term. Uh, just um, involving communities and parents and teachers and just trying to solve problems that we have within our school at the local level. And so mm. I've organized parents last year. I've worked on multiple policy teams doing work all within education. Dope, 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 dope. Did I ask you if you loved it? Yeah. Uh, what'd you say? I say yes. Okay. But it's okay. been a journey. Yeah, yeah. So, so you said that twice. So why has it been a journey? Uh, it's difficult work. You yeah. have to be called to do it. You think so? Yeah, it's not It's not easy. Um, there's some days where you feel like you're not making a difference. Uh, and it's delayed gratification, mm. right? Sometimes You're investing in humans. You're investing yeah. in people. So you may not see the fruits of that ever. Sometimes you will. Sometimes you won't. Uh, you know, I've had students that have came back where they've graduated and they're like, your class really made a difference. Oh, right. In that moment, four years ago, it didn't feel like yeah. it, you know? And then you come back four or five years later and it's like, oh, I see the fruits of my labor. Yeah. So you have to have patience. Yeah. Yeah, patience. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, I mean, is it, is it challenging to, is it challenging, like, you know, for your demographic? You know, being a woman, a black woman, maybe being an attractive woman, do, do those present any challenges even like getting maybe some students to take you seriously or respect you or anything like that, teaching in um, LA? Uh, yeah, I think when I first started, funny story, uh, my first year teaching, um, my co-teacher, he gave me advice. He was like, okay, you know, when you walk into the classroom, wear all black until December, put rocks in your shoes and don't smile. Yeah, crazy, right? That was <laughs> that was his advice. Yeah. Um, kind of in a way of, he's old school too, so I work with a lot of teachers that are older than me, right. and so that was their idea of, this is how you gain respect by, be- by being this authoritarian like figure in yeah, the classroom. Yeah. And I tried that, 
and it, it was okay, but it got a lot easier when I decided just to be myself. Okay. I would say above all, age is something that is a barrier, I would say, mm. um, from my colleagues or not even really from the students. If you care about the students and you show up every day, they respect you mm. if they know that you care, okay. you know? Uh, but I would definitely say age. Definitely say age plays a part. Age plays a part, yes. You good, T. Ross? I'm solid. Okay. You just, I just, you just gazed off thinking, into, like, into thought. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, age plays a part. That's dope, though. So did you go to school in the inner city like that? I lived in the inner city, but I didn't go to school in the inner city. Okay. And Where'd you go? so I went to Bishop Montgomery. I went to Catholic yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Super strict. Uh, very strict. Um, but... I think that was one of the determining factors or motivating factors for me, just because when I walked into my first year of teaching, I was like, wow, this is very different from my experience. Mm -hmm. You know, very different from what it is that I knew school to be. Uh, it was very humbling. But then it also gave me a sense of urgency, like there's a lot of work to be done. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Crenshaw Christian Center. Do you guys know where that's at? On yeah, 79th and yeah, Vermont. Yeah. So I went there K through 8th. Uh, me as a student, I was a great student, but I got in trouble a lot. What kind of trouble? Like suspended. Uh, For what? I just tore up the class. Like I would finish tore my up work. The class? Tore it up. Like I would finish my work super super early, and then just start talking or just oh, okay. Like, just, you know, behavior well, you said, wise. I thought you meant like work like some cooperation. Right, right. I thought you said tore up. You made some like flipping over desk and like no, I mean vandalizing. Oh. I, <laughs> She's like, Wait a I mean, I may have a little bit. <laughs> I, I definitely, I think because of everything that was going on in the community and at home, mm. I think a lot of that was played out in the classroom and my behaviors. Not knowing it then, but in reflection Wait, now, everything going on at home? Yeah. Like with family and stuff? Just like with family and with just, you know, violence or whatever it may be in the community. Just things that were impacting me that I didn't really know how to process came out in my behavior. Although I was okay. really, really smart. Okay. And so... I think that's why I'm also really passionate about working with the kids at Crenshaw because those kids are me, you know? Gotcha. What point uh, did you feel like you, you came into like understanding that or seeing that, seeing the connection between your behavior and the influence of like the environments you were in? Just recently. Like I would say this is, this is a new revelation. I think that I was always drawn to uh, doing work around school culture and climate like, you know, making it a place where school is safe. Because school was a safe place for me. You know, growing up, okay. like, once I got to school, it was like, ooh, okay, I'm good. Like, I could, that was a safe place for me. And then I just took some time to think about, okay, what are all the things that I'm doing and what's the connection between them? Okay, you're working on school culture and climate. climate. You're working on how poverty impacts kids. You're working on uh, trauma and how that impacts kids. Okay, you've been working on things that are related to this for a very long time. Uh, and just so just starting to think about my own journey and what that meant. Uh, and then I think, too, you know, thinking about your why and whatever it is that you do. Mm -hmm. You know, why is it that I'm so passionate about this? Why is it that I will do this without getting paid or I'm super tired? And so I guess it just took me back to a just a story um, when I was in school. Um, I just remember having to write a lot of standards. Did y'all write standards? Oh, I had to write standards nah, at home. No, nah, we didn't do that in the hood. <laughs> Not you? <laughs> at home? I had to do that at home. My wow, that's, that's very interesting. Your grandpa made you write standards? Mm -hmm. Not just like the sentence standards where you can just write I, 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 I. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I will not do this because I know this is disrespectful <laughs> and I will change my ways. Bullet point, I promise, bullet point, promise, bullet promise. point. That calls it, that, that's called an essay, bro. 
might as well be <laughs> yeah. I had to do them over and over again. Really? So I stayed writing standards, but then I got clever, and oh. I would write them with three pins at a time. Oh, wow. And my teachers Wait, would get mad, like, you can't write that with three pins at a time. And I'm like, why? Like, How come I can't? How come I can't? Like, you tape like, them together or something? Huh? You have to tape them together? No, you can actually hold it with your hands. I wonder if I could still do it, but you can, it's a way that you hold it and it's like, I will not talk. I, so they would even get more, man. You can't, why can't I? And I would be done super fast and they would just give me more. But uh, <laughs> long story short, it's not standards now because you could lose your job. That's corporal punishment today. Is, wait, Whoa. what? You can't make That's kids. What? You, what? Corporal punishment? I don't know if I'm saying it right, but corporal punishment, yeah. By having students. So look, this is how I feel. This is super sidebar. But being that they're looking at things that they made us do back then mm -hmm. that they realize now is wrong. Right. What type of impact does it, did that have on us? And can we sue? <laughs> can we sue? <laughs> can we get the bag? Like, um, come on. Like, that's crazy. That's corporal punishment. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good question. I think that the impact is that I don't know as a student, it, it would have been, been great if a teacher would have asked, like, what happened versus just what's wrong with that student. Yeah. You know, so yeah. then the student would have had an opportunity to kind of regulate their emotions and say, okay, I'm upset because this happened before I got here. Mm -hmm. And this is how it's making me feel and this is how I'm acting out in class and these are the things that I can do to make it right. Mm -hmm. Versus just like, I will not talk, I will not talk, I will not talk. Obviously it didn't work because I stayed having to do that. And sad story, I was supposed to be valedictorian in eighth grade and they took it away from me. Because of my behavior. Yeah, because my character didn't exemplify what a leader was supposed to be. Um, it's all good, I bounced back, right? We're still solid. But I would say that, you know, yeah. just teaching kids. So do you think the culture around um, discipline in general, um, discipline from your parents, discipline in the educational structure, that institution, do you think that there's not enough maybe research and data behind what is effective disciplinary action? I think that there's research and data around it. I think uh, it's just hard for people to buy in. Because mm -hmm. when it comes to discipline, you talk about morals and values. Well, this is how mm -hmm. my mom did it or my grandmother did it, right. you know? And so uh, why would I give kids the opportunity to express themselves or to have thought or to have choice? Or, you know, I think, I think buy-in is the hardest thing that I've seen, especially working in the inner city at a school that's very diverse. You have teachers that have been teaching for 30 years. Mm -hmm. You have teachers that have been teaching for 12. And then people like myself that just got into the game. So, you know, I would say it's buy-in. Mm -hmm. And then people, people that are willing to put their own biases to the side and do what's right. Okay. And what is that? Like, I think this is right because this is how I was raised, mm -hmm. or this is how my teacher disciplined me and I came out fine. So it must be the right way, although we haven't learned anything new, or, you know, although we see the same thing. That, that's what I mean. Like, with, with that, it's like, it, it doesn't seem like, you know, like I think about kids. I got a kid, I got a daughter. She's uh, about to be four. But I've taken a lot of psychology classes, and like, you know, when I went to a JC and, um, in high school. So I got to learn a lot about you know, conditioning and things of that nature, but it doesn't seem to be a stress as much for, um, you know, most professions. You know, like you look at, you know, police, and we talk about training when it comes to these, you know, police-involved shootings and things of that nature. You know, I don't know that, you know, the data that they have behind, um, for example, solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of talk about why that's just inhumane. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's, you know, they've deemed that, you know, little monkeys can't be 
confined to just by themselves, you know, for, for their testing or whatever the case is, they gotta be, you know, in groups around people, I'm sorry, around other, other monkeys, right? So it's crazy that, you know, we put that much effort into animals and, you know, more so than people, right, in prison. But it's, it's kind of like, you know, the point I, I guess I'm trying to make is with the high school structure, is there enough training behind discipline to say that detention is something that's effective and it works, or suspension, or um, standards, which is not corporal punishment, <laughs> but. Uh, I think schools are moving in that direction. Uh, for example, last year I led a book study at my school, Teaching with Poverty in Mind, um, uh -huh. and we read a book by Eric Jensen that just talked about the impact of poverty and what that looks like in students. So your students that, like for me, example, that were your troublemakers or the people that are talking out or, you know, messing up your class, mm -hmm. uh, in reality, like what's really going on beneath the surface? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one isolated example where we've actually started doing that work in training teachers as far as what does the data say as far as how trauma impacts kids. Okay. Um, but there definitely needs to be more. I think that's what made my journey very difficult my mm -hmm. first few years is because you're you're absorbing all of this, right? From students, student yeah. may walk into class, for example, had a student on the way to school was robbed, right? Mm -hmm came into class, not my class, I'm, I'm telling a story of another teacher, but came into class and he was um, upset. You know, had to stand outside, wait for the door to be opened. By the time he got inside, he's heated, he's mad, he's yeah, hot, yeah. you know? Um, and so he ended up getting kicked out of class and he ended up getting a referral. Mm -hmm. But then at our school, we have something called restorative conferences. So you know Milton, Mr. Milton, he's mm -hmm. our RJ coordinator. And so he sat down with the student and basically was able to talk to him about what it is that happened help the student identify that that wasn't the right way to kind of react in that situation. Mm -hmm. um, and then he apologized to the teacher, but then the teacher also was able to feel some sort of empathy as well too, gotcha. you know, as far as the situation. Do you feel like there's any, just in speaking about just restorative, restorative like strategies, um, as opposed to like the way things have been going just across the board when it comes to discipline, do you feel like there's any resistance from like teachers who may have been there 10 plus years or have been around for generations? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely resistance. It's a resistance of just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and it doesn't matter how you feel, just keep going. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just what it means to be black in America or a person of color in America that you have to keep going despite the emotional turmoil that you may be experiencing or having. Mm -hmm. And so I think I think that's definitely the pushback. And then too, some teachers feel like they don't want to be a therapist. Like I didn't yeah. sign up for this. Like I signed up to teach English. I signed up, you know, I didn't sign up. Yeah. I didn't go to school for this. And so. But I think that that, that sort of thinking is, it's very linear and it's not, realistic you know for example I worked in EMS for I still do um, but I started doing that one in, in 2010 and there's not a lot of emphasis behind mental health there's not and you know EMS and it's it's very interesting because we'll take the same you know drunk guy to um, the hospital you know sometimes and you know or someone that's suicidal we'll put them on a 24-hour watch or not 24 I think it's uh, 72 72-hour hold you know but that same guy if he commits a crime you know, let's say he stole something from the store and he's homeless or something like that, that, you know, he can be sent to prison without any sort of, you know, rehabilitation for his mental facilities. So mm -hmm. even though as an, as an EMS provider, I didn't sign up for, you know what I mean, uh, being a therapist, you know, I still feel like there needs to be a better infrastructure in especially our communities to help um, 
reconcile those issues. Yeah. And then you think about the individuals in the classroom that are dealing with that, your teachers, you know, that are absorbing all of that trauma. Um, I think another big thing is compassion fatigue. Have you guys heard of that? Mm -mm. Um, I think it's something that educators and teachers and people that just do public service, you may, I don't even know if you've experienced it, uh, where you're absorbing the trauma of so much that you see every day, mm -hmm. added on top of your own life stressors and the things that you're going through, yeah. uh, to where it begins to even compromise your own physical and mental and emotional Well, isn't health. that like a form, is that a form of PTSD or? Uh, I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, I think that that can lead to that though. Yeah. Not dealing with your own, uh, maybe own like trauma that has happened in your own life, yeah. right? And then on top of that, you are dealing with the trauma of others, whether it's kids or the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. Is that something that's more accepted now in the educational space? What do you mean Compassion. accepted? Compassion. Accepted in the sense that um, it's like valid, like in the event. I mean, I don't know what, what strategies or, or things are put in place, but let's say you, know, you speak about compassion trauma, someone dealing with trauma can seek some type of help. As a professional, can you say, you know what, I'm dealing with a lot right now because of compassion trauma? Mm. Because I've heard about- like You talking about like a mental health day? Like a mental health day, essentially. Like I, I, I think about, um, was it three or four years ago? I forgot it was a conference I went to. Mm -hmm. And they were just exploring vicarious trauma, mm. where it's, you know, it's exactly mm. what it is you're saying. So to hear it be referred to even as compassion trauma, is, is news to me, but to me it sounds like it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, but in the being that it's termed differently, I want to know is that something that has been further implemented in like that educational space? Like, like how, what is what is like the social climate amongst professionals when we talk about compassion? Trauma? Yeah. So with compassion trauma or compassion fatigue. Uh, well, I know kind of, let's say, like the culture, let's say sick days, right? So as a teacher within LAUSD, you have nine sick days that you can take off within the, within the whole year. Um, and I know when I first started teaching, you know, it's like you don't take off of work when you're sick. You come to work when you're sick and you take off if you need a mental health day or if you need to just do something that's for yourself. So I think that can just shed a lot, a light on what the culture is around mm -hmm. it. Um, for example, me, like at the end of this year, I was so tired, partly because I was doing a lot. On top of my job, there's other things that I do. Like I started the platform Homeroom and I work on different policy teams. And I was just doing a lot to the point where I literally crashed and like could not go to work. And so that's not my story. That's a lot of teacher stories. And so I, I don't think that there, I don't think there's a space for it, mm -hmm. to be honest. I don't think the space comes when it's already too late, when you're already burnt out. I was just about to yeah. ask that. When you're already yeah. burnt out, you know, and then your coworkers, oh, I saw you getting burnt out or I saw you, you know, it's, there is no space. And then I think too, there's a lot of shame around it too, because you, you want to work hard and you want to give your best and you want to give your all, but you can't pour out of an empty cup, Yeah. you yeah. know? So I, I, but I think that's the American culture in any workspace. It's not until there's a police shooting that they're like, all right, cool, well, let's have them talk to yeah. these, you know, such and such people. When these cops deal with these high-stress situations every day, EMS providers, firefighters deal with those same high-stress environments, educators deal with some of those same high-stress you know, um, environments, and I don't know that there's enough recourse involved strategically, mm -hmm. you know, throughout the course of, you know, your work week or your school year, whatever the case is, for you to seek that type of, you know, help. 
Because it's almost as if, like, at, at America, we're not looked at as people. Yeah. You know? With emotions and, and stresses and things like that. What do you mean by that? It just feels like, you know, like the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just work. You know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't, that takes away from the idea that it's almost like we ignore the emotional implications of a lot of these, these, these work environments. Right. Like, I, I mean, as an EM, like an EMS provider, like, in our training, it's, it's literally probably a couple sentences about, like, oh, man, yeah, you're going to get burnt out. When you get burnt out, do X, Y. It's just a chapter in a book, pretty much. Right. When you get burnt out, do X, Y, and Z, and then, you know, keep on helping, right. keep on keeping on. But what are we going to do to make sure that these folks can maintain, you know, be effective at their job and effective in their lives. Like, how do you integrate it into the daily, just the daily life or the day-to-day? -day? I've actually been trying to answer that question this summer. Really? So at the beginning of May, I decided to not take on any projects, not take on any projects, um, and to rest, and to literally not do anything other than finish out the responsibilities that I had to answer those very questions. Mm. I think that's so key to be able to take time and to be willing to take the time. And it's hard. Like, I think, <laughs> I think really the only reason why I was pushed to do that is because I, like, literally was burnt out. I've been burnt out before, but this was on another level. And mentors around me were telling me that successful people take time to rest, reflect, and renew. Take time. Like, you have two months off from work. Like, put homeroom down. Put this down. Put that down. First off, why are you even doing all of that? Like chill. Mm -hmm. Have you have you read the uh, the Power of Habit? Is it by Eckhart? No. No, I haven't. No, uh, that's the Power of Now. Um, okay. The Power of Habit is a dope book. I think it's by Charles Duhigg. Um, but it talks about the habit loop, habit structures, blah blah blah. Um, but I'm just using that to preface my question, which would mm -hmm. be easier if you read the book, but you didn't. Um, but I was wondering if there's like a cornerstone habit that you have, and what I mean by that is. For me, it's like meditation. You know, mm -hmm. that's the one thing that I do um, consistently now, try to do every day, that keeps me grounded. Mm -hmm. You know, and is there anything, because you're talking about, you know, just kind of rest and like, you know, when you yeah. have to kind of get yourself together. Is there anything that you have in your life that, that re as representative of that for you? I think I'm figuring that out. Okay. But I think what it always has been is time with God and prayer mm -hmm. and meditation. Uh, that's very, very, very important. That's what keeps me grounded. Uh, I think being around people that I love, mm. uh, just being in relationship with other people okay. um, gives me strength in life to be able to do what it is that I'm supposed to do. Um, but what I'm finding out, honestly, like my friends get so irritated, like, Ash, what have you been doing this summer? Like drinking water? Like, you know, like <laughs> simple stuff. Like what? Drinking like water. drinking water, you know, like going to bed, you know, not at crazy times. Um, like the simple things yeah. that I think that we take for granted when our lives are so, so busy, mm. you know, when we're pulled in so many directions, or if you feel like you have a huge impact on your life, you know, yeah. um, oftentimes we often sacrifice ourselves, yeah. but that's no good for no one, yeah. you know? So I would say this summer I've realized just very simple things. Like yeah. um, I'm very good at taking care of my emotional health, my spiritual health, but my physical health is something that I really have to improve on. Like okay. just making sure like I'm drinking water, like very simple things, yeah. you know, because I'll look up in a work day and it's 12, one o'clock and I haven't eaten anything because I'm so like, yeah. you know, and that's, then you have to take a step back and say, okay, when you're not doing anything, how do you feel? Mm. Like, do you feel a sense of anxiety? Are you at peace when you're not doing anything? Um, 
and then you have to ask your question you have to ask yourself okay if there is anxiety why yeah. because you have to find peace in who you are not what you do mm. if you're calm and you're okay then okay then you're striving out of a good place um i mean is that tough like in an environment where like easy. people don't like nobody's really pressed about how much water they're drinking you know what i mean like that's mm-hmm. not really a, a priority you know or norm it's, it's almost as if like you know we've been conditioned to believe that to kind of lose sight about the purpose and why we do certain things right. even things as simple as as you know drinking mm-hmm. right we drink a lot of sodas and coffees and, and whatever the case is mm-hmm. when the only liquid we actually really need to be intaking is water like for right. real for real right you know or food wise you know we drink we eat more so for pleasure and that's the the the, the center about you know what we're going to decide to eat as opposed to mm-hmm. you know fuel so is that tough in an environment where like you know the people around you may not have those same values I think it's tough, especially if you're the one that's always the one that's going, going, going. Mm-hmm. And then you decide to uh, not go. Yeah. And then people around you are like, but wait, you know, it's, I, I think it can get very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. especially if people look to you to be like the strong one or look to you to be the one that's leading everyone into, you know, where it is that we're supposed to go, whether it's family, friends, people that look up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's also power in that. Okay. That was also a revelation that I had these past two months is that if we, like people like us, right, if we take a stance and say rest and renewal is a part of the journey of success or just celebrating successes, like how many times have you done something really well and you just move on to the next thing, yeah. you know, and you don't, I know I don't celebrate successes, like yeah. sit in it. Then people around you and connected will also do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to do that. Honestly, yeah. moving forward, I don't do it now. I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm like saying something that I actually need to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it could become very uncomfortable. Like for my parents, for example, they're like, you're not doing anything? Like, are you okay? <laughs> like, don't give up, don't yeah. be disappointed. Like, I'm fine, like I'm good, mm. you know? Uh, so it's interesting. What was it like navigating that space, being that it's fairly new? Um, and I can definitely identify with that in, in moments and recognizing, you know, what I feel like is innate leadership, but then also being in places where I feel burnt out and I need to take a step back and play the background for a little bit. Um, it's not like those ideas and that drive to stay active goes away. What has that experience been for you lately as you're developing through it? Like what, what have you done when you find yourself wanting to like engage on that level that you're used to operating on mm-hmm. in this time of rest? Uh, I've been really working on my faith and just trying to grow my faith. I think what I've been learning is that when we move out of anxiety, it's simply because we don't believe that God is going to deliver us regardless of what it is that we do. Oh, break that down, please. Break, <laughs> and so, that down. break that down, that's a word. Um, I think that, like for example, I was just talking with my friend today and I'm, I've always been a hard worker where I can get things done by the work of my own two hands. Mm-hmm. Like if I have this goal, I do this, I do this, it happens. If yeah. I do this, I do this, it happens. But now I'm at a point in my life where there are a lot of things that I'm working towards and doing and I continuously, I'm hitting brick walls or I'm hitting closed doors or closed opportunities. And so I was at church on Sunday and he was explaining that there's gonna become a point in your time, in your life where He's gonna humble you so that whatever it is that you're asking or looking for, it's gonna come from him. It's not gonna come from the work of your own two hands. That's good. And so 
literally it's like he's like okay if you want to go out and run the chicken race again you can but until you learn that it's going to be me and not you you're going to continue this like rat race and so it's hard it's not easy though um so church and like in in, in your faith is is that's a real big deal yeah i grew up in church but i honestly have not i've only had a relationship probably for two years like with god got you see that's like been my issue so i I didn't grow up in church, but that was a, a cool four years ish mm-hmm. where I was like there multiple you know services a day, and at church all the time. My relationship was very ground, much grounded through my church and that institution. However, they perceived God, you know, was my relationship, as opposed to me drawing my own conclusions, doing my own research, doing my uh, having my own relationship with God. Um, so I asked that to ask. Um, how do you balance that? You know what you believe God to be, or who you believe God to be, for Ashley versus what your institution or your church or you know your place of worship. Yeah. Um. Well, the church that I grew up in, I grew up at Grand Amy Church in Watts on the okay. corner of 102nd and Central Avenue, and it was uh, my foundation. They raised me practically like you know a village raised a child like that was my parents needed help and so the church is who really raised me um but there came a point so when i went to college i didn't really go to church because i was working i was part Mm -hmm. of a student worker program i was up at 5 a.m every day picking up trash on campus doing all this crazy stuff to pay for tuition and so i didn't go to church and then i went back to my childhood church and i realized that it just wasn't uh it wasn't gonna spiritually feed me as far as what it is that I needed. Mm. You know, there's religion and then there's your relationship with God. And so I just sought out the spiritual leadership that I needed mm. that kind of aligned with where my journey was going. And are there ever moments where you kind of are conflicted in that relationship? Now, no. No? No. Why not? Uh, I guess, I don't know. I mean, with it's, your spiritual leadership and no. No. I think because I've had such profound moments in the past two years uh-huh. with just like God speaking to me for the first time in different things where it's like, I know I'm in the right place. There's no denying There's that. no denying. It's like I've, I've had personal experiences where like God has literally came in and was like, no, go this way. Or mm. like literally like crazy turn my life upside down. So it's like. Now, I, that's, that's good. And I'm glad you put it that way. Do you feel as though the faith that you exhibit today is a faith you thought was possible when you were younger growing up in the church? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I I think today I actually had I'm I'm sorry, I'm resting, right? So I'm getting yeah. all these like And and again, yeah, I don't I haven't said uh-huh. this, but I appreciate you coming out of your your hibernation for the yeah. homies. Yeah, worth it, worth it. Well, actually, it was May and June. Today's July 1st, so. Okay, okay. Facts, facts. But still, I, I did. I haven't honestly done anything but drink water these past two months. What you been doing? <laughs> Drinking water? My friends be like, what? Ashley, what you doing? <laughs> Drinking water. Sitting by the pool, you know, reading a book. Um, question. What was the question? Oh, faith. Uh, I was having a conversation with my friend today. So I think the, the, the last lesson that I've learned uh, is surrender. And this is new. I, I saw your I saw your post about that today. Yeah, because how it feels to give up what you thought life is supposed to be or what you're supposed to do or where you're supposed to go, it's it's like frustrating. Yeah. So can we talk about that? So so Yeah. What what did you what 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 was that 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 dilemma? What did you believe life was supposed to be? 
Uh, well, for example, so when I when I graduated college, uh, it was always it's always been my goal goal to own real estate. Okay. Right. And so I've been looking, looking, looking. I've, I've saved diligently like I had a plan. Right. Yeah. OK, I'm going to save for these two years. I'm going to be in a position to buy something. Boom. When it happens. Great. So I've been looking probably over a year with my dad and uh, been in a lot of deals. A lot of deals fell out. This last one was like, you ever been in something where it's like it's everything that you wanted, maybe except one thing or it's everything that you wanted and it just fell apart. Yeah. Have you ever been there before? Yeah, story of my life. Right. And so that's very hard to, to, to deal with. And so I was talking with my friend and she was like, OK, well, you've never went for something. Well, it didn't happen. So the last deal didn't happen. I had to pull out just because it, it wasn't for me. Pulling out's always a good thing. Yeah, it is. Um, and so I asked her, well, she asked me, she said, you've never been in a situation where you work so hard for something and it didn't work out. And I said, no, like and that's not to be arrogant, like seriously, yeah. like even when I was younger, um, I never had a big plan for my life. Like I never, oh, I'm gonna go to this school and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. Like I never, I always let my values lead me and kind of just do whatever, you know, felt right. So when it was time for me to go to LMU, I remember applying 12 a.m. like on the deadline and that was it. And then I needed to find a way to um, pay for school and I found the student worker program. I realized then that I had more faith when I was little than, than now. Right. Because then I was actually operating in faith. I didn't have a plan. God was actually leading me. Yeah. It was not until I graduated from college and then I went out into the real world and the pressures of you need to do X, Y, and Z. You need to have this goal. You need to make this much money where I started devising my own plan. Mm -hmm. And that blew my mind today. Um, because when I think about it, when I was little, I didn't have a plan. You know how some people are like, I'm going to go to the top university and I'm going to, yeah. you know. But is that, I mean, I always wonder, is that their plan or is that what, like, the people around them right. have, like, you know, conditioned them or made them believe that this is the, the process and the way you should do things? Right. That's good. Because you know, those people that, that, you know, I think of when you're talking about, you know, is like those suburban kids with, like, mm -hmm. a strong educational structure from their parents and mm -hmm. you need to go get you a good job, you know, go to law school, be a doctor, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So I don't know if that's even really done, to be real. I think that's good. I think that's good. Protect your journey. Uh, that's what I'm getting from that. Um, there's a lot of influences and different things pulling you different ways, but you have to stay true to yourself and your journey. Yeah. I think it can happen at any stage of life. It can happen when you're younger with your parents, mm -hmm. or it can happen when you're older. Um, maybe you go into a business situation or someone asks you to be a part of something that really doesn't align with what God's will is for your life, mm -hmm. but maybe. So, so do, you, do you think it was not God's will for you to have a, a home? Was that just now a now thing? Or? I think it's just a now thing. Okay. I think the goal is multiple streams of income, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one way. I think it's not now or maybe it's something different that I just haven't imagined or seen. Mm -hmm. That's hard to swallow, though, because like it's hard to, to surrender that, like, you and know, accept and accept that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as I have this thought, I think I told I told Tarek about this like a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, so I look at my daughter, and you know, when I think about what I want for my daughter, you know, long term is is really just for her to be happy. You know what yeah. I mean? I want her to like Peace. you know, hopefully to marry somebody she loves, and you know, if she wants a family. I want her to have that. If she wants a home, I want her to have that. If she wants to travel, I want her to do that. But I want her just to find her way and be happy for real. You know, I want her all her basic needs to be taken care of and for her to be happy. And when I draw that parallel to what it is God may want for me. I kind of feel like it's kind of the same. I want him to be fed and you know sheltered and taken care of, and I want him to have income and be able to take care of his needs. Now, if he wants anything more than that, 
that's on him. You know what I'm saying? If he wants to be a millionaire or a billionaire or if he wants to be this big actor, whatever the case is, you know, that's something that he has to, like, pursue. But whether he does it or not, maybe for the purpose that he has me here for, mm-hmm. doesn't really make much of a difference. It's a great place to be in. Is my thought. Um, Where your will and his will aligns. That's great. I hope that's what that means. I don't, I don't that's know. what I got from it. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough. At least it does now, you know. That's good. That may not be. Uh, I think we some. There's times in our lives where that's not the case, you know, where our will and what he wants is not the same. Yeah, I think those times are clear though. Yeah. We just choose to ignore them. I think. I know I do. Run that back. What is it? There's times where our will and his will does not align, and you said you feel like it's clear. When that's the case? Like, I don't know. For me, I, I, I see the stop sign. Like, I don't miss it. Yeah. But I usually run it anyway. And just kind of chance it. I feel you. I think what I've learned is that it also depends on your level of awareness of yourself. Mm. True. You know, have you ever looked back to, like, dang, I was doing that? Yeah. Well, you thought it was cool. Nah. Because in the moment, because in the moment. No? <laughs> I, I see that. Because in the moment, <laughs> what, what you're doing and operating you don't think like what? is what it is until after the like fact. What? Give me an example. Anything you've done that you regret, not regret, but anything you've done in your past that you feel like I was right in that situation. Then years later, you look back well, and give you're me an like, example. Dang. I, when I think about that, I'm thinking about like, all right, when I was smoking at 16 years old or whatever the case was. Mm-hmm. But I knew I, I knew I shouldn't have been doing that at the time. Yeah, but in that. Are you mean like? Are you are you talking about more the more complex situations? Like yeah, more complex. Like, and stuff that, like that. That, those are like actions like yeah. okay smoking is bad for your lungs so off the rip that's not good for you yeah. like that's a, it's an easy call but yeah. there's situations where you know you're in a situation it could be a relationship it could be a job it can be anything that you're doing you feel like you're operating in a place where like this is where you're supposed to be mm. this is it for me so i need to operate here and then let's say you get moved or you don't have the job anymore or whatever the case may be in that situation, you don't know what's to come next until you get in the new situation and look back and be like, damn, that was just a, that was just a setup for where I am today. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. For me, I look yeah. at my past jobs. I was working at Kip. I was working yeah. with Reality Check. I got fired from both of those jobs. Yeah. I was cool. I was calm. I was cracking jokes about yeah. it because of my faith. Yeah. However, when I was in those situations, I was like, dang, this is for me. Kip is perfect for me. Oh, right. it got, got it, it's technologically got advanced. It's, it's savvy. I got a phone. I got a laptop. I'm set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I got to reality check. Oh, I'm a co-director. I get to do my own programming. This is really for me. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I need yeah. to be in a position where I can implement yeah. change and create. That didn't work out. Then I get to Mount Sac and I'm like, ah, I see why I, I see, was in those two I positions. See. Gotcha. But you thought you were like on. I thought it was yeah, it. It was yeah. ha- it was happening. Yeah. Then all of a yeah. sudden things change. That's good. You know what I'm saying? That's how I felt about like even like at Jersey Mike's. I remember I had a path there and a path uh, firefighting, the path, uh, you know, as an EMT, and none of that stuff, you know, worked out one way or another. Even like now I think about it because now I'm currently unemployed, you know, and kind of. But anyway, you know, I look at it and it's like. You know, in this time, I'm starting to see so many things, and like it's it's, it's motivating me to want to do do more mm-hmm. on my own. You know, but I wonder if you know I had a gig, you know, for this this moment in time. You know, would I still want would I still want to um, create mm-hmm. and 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 
vers what's the word? Not ver- I was gonna say versify. That's not the word though. I, I, I feel um, you. Diversify, di- whatever. If I wanted to like, you know, spread my wings a little bit more and like be right. more creative. Right. You know, uh, I don't know that if I, w- I would have come to that if I was still content in making the amount of money that, mm-hmm. you know, I was making, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but now that I'm not, I get to re- reevaluate for this time that I have in between this show and the next show I'm going to start. Yeah. That's good. There's another thing that I learned too. What's that? Um, I learned that. <laughs> what are we ready to cut it off? No, no, oh. no, no. We're good. No, oh. I just, I, 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 <laughs> so thoughts? I got up and I came back and I, I wasn't sure. No, oh, okay, no, okay. Go for it, please. <laughs> <laughs> go for it, please. Um, <laughs> what I learned in resting is that you actually offend people when you're not present. When you're not present for them. When you're not present, just like present. Like, like, the like physically there? No, not physically there, but mentally just there. mentally there. Yeah. Like, if, if you work yourself to the point of burnout or, and you're giving yourself, but you're not giving yourself 100% in all the areas that you've spread yourself, you yeah. offend people when you're not present. Or if you're so, does that make sense? Kind of. I had a different interpretation off of What was your interpretation of it? No, 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 no. I, I want to I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, explain that. Please. Um... You know, because, you know, black men in, in 2018, like, we're good listeners. You feel me? Oh, so we don't care about okay, what we think. Plug. You feel me? Okay. We care about, like, like, like what it is, what is that, it that you mean. You know what I mean? Forget what how we mean. thought about Forget it. Forget what we think it is. Right. We don't know what we've been talking about. Right. You know what I'm saying? So please. Um, I think in the world that we live today, success and the goal is oftentimes more important than people and the relationships and those that you have around you. Facts. Sometimes. Um or culture kind of pushes people to think that way. You know, we'll work, 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 sometimes at the sacrifice of our family or our yeah. relationships or, yeah. uh, and so last year, um, just from personal experience, I, I had a lot of responsibilities and things that I was doing. Mm-hmm. But when I actually had the time to slow down and to think about everything, I realized that maybe that coworker that That's I was enough. working with um, maybe I wasn't as attentive or, you know, or I wasn't there the way that I should have been there to support her in her role or if we were working together. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, Are you saying not being there for people in the way that they want you to be there is? Not the way that they want you to be there, but the way that you should be there. Okay. Like, for example, if you are, if you, like putting too much on your plate, you're not gonna be able to do your mm. best in every single lane. Versus like if you're striving out of a place of, I know this is where I'm supposed to be and this is enough. Like if I do two things versus three things, you know, if you spread yourself too thin, you're just not gonna be able to be there in a way mm. that you should be for the people that are there working with you. I can feel that. And it can go for family as well too. Um, where you may be so focused on your goals and the things that you're doing that you may not have the time. Or maybe, for example, let's say if you're at a family dinner or you're doing something, but you're so consumed mm-hmm. about what it is that you have to accomplish or there's the anxiety or the stress of getting something done where you're not present, you're not engaged in that conversation, you're not present. You're physically there, but you're yeah. not present because you're thinking about all of these different things, if that makes sense. I got you. Okay. I got you. So do you feel like that sacrifice and being focused on the work and the grind is worth it? No, but I think it depends on what your definition of success is. Mm. Well, that's what I was, I was thinking about as you were speaking earlier, is like it depends on, I feel like in those situations, what it is that you're doing. Like I look at yeah. a guy like Kevin Hart, right. has a lot of stuff going on, 
However, it's all things he's passionate about. It's all pushing his brand. It's all, you know, hopefully going to help solidify his legacy and push his family forward. So I feel like although he may be spreading himself thin, it's for the greater good in a sense. Mm -hmm. Versus the guy, you know, maybe like myself who is just trying to get into all these different things just, just for money. Yeah. As opposed to like, how is this going to fit into my brand and my purpose and right. what I want, big picture. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's all about your motivation. Yeah. That's 100%. it. Like, if it aligns with your purpose and what it is that you're supposed to do, great. But if you're doing it for recognition, the money, yeah. approval, oh, you're lit, oh, you're successful, yeah. you know, then no. Yeah. That's it right there. I, I, I like that because you, you said it depends on your, what success means to you, essentially. Your definition of success is going to determine whether or not that sacrifice is worth it. Because as, as Tony mentioned, you bring up somebody like Kevin Hart. You know, we don't know his day-to-day -day or how often he's with his family. But, of course, I'm sure he has the means to make sure his family's around. But even if someone is building that brand, it's like, well, does that person value family time? You know, Tony and I were having a conversation earlier, even, like, being in, like, a romantic type of relationship that, you know, it requires a certain level of energy. And that energy exerted towards the relationship is potentially energy that can go elsewhere. But you have to be, that individual has to make a decision as to whether or not that relationship is more valuable than the opportunity that can be presented if directed elsewhere. Yeah. And I think at that point in time is where we kind of have to come to that place of self-awareness, as you mm -hmm. mentioned before, and understanding where we are and what is it that we truly want and being comfortable in that because it will offend people if they aren't necessarily aware of your motives, where you are, and what it is you ultimately want for your life, for, for yourself in your own life. So I think that's interesting. I think that's and really I think there's a way to have both. I think if you're striving, well, we got it. We got We got to admit though, some some folks is OD when it comes to mm -hmm. the amount of attention that they want from you at any given time. That's a real struggle. That's what I'm conflicted with with that idea. I feel you, but it's just like you know, especially for like the, your immediates. You know, your best friend, your maybe your, your significant other, your kid, mm -hmm. whatever. I feel like they get they get to they get to complain. Like they have that card. But, you know, some other relationships, maybe the person you're talking to or some, some of the mm -hmm. homies, whatever the case is, I feel like there's too much of a demand that, like, one thing I hate is if, if like, I'm not, like, when somebody hits you up, like, hey, you at home? I may be at home. <laughs> I may be at home. But that doesn't mean that I ain't doing nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's almost that, that idea that if you're not, if you don't have anything to do, you know, even in your rest time, that that's free time that you could spend with me. And if you don't spend it with me, you're an asshole. I think it depends on your circle. I have to learn that too. I think the more that you surround yourself with people that are headed in the same direction, the less of those mm. issues you'll have. So you're telling me that. Not I got, telling I got you. I'm, no, no, no. No, I feel you. Personal, like you're telling me, you're telling me that my friends ain't experience. worth nothing. I feel it. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying from personal experience. You good? No, we're good. We're good. Oh. We're good. But then sometimes family, um, just part, that's that's my opinion honestly mm. not I think your life but to me I, no, to me that makes sense to me that actually makes sense I think um, for example like Cardi B and Offset right they're in a relationship and I only use this because this came up recently like they have an understanding like as far no it wasn't Cardi B and Offset there in front of me I see him on the magazine <laughs> but Tony made a comment about Tiana Taylor and Iman yeah, right yeah. like it was a Breakfast Club interview. He's there getting interviewed. Tiana Taylor pops up, surprises him. But she's supposed to be on a plane, like, overseas or something. Yeah. And 
their relationship, they have an understanding that they, they're traveling, they're going mm-hmm. out, they're doing this. He's traveling for work, basketball. She's traveling for music and what other projects she's involved in. Now, in a relationship with, you know, those of us that have nine to fives, whatever that looks like, being gone from weeks at a time, even days at a time, even hours at a time is a problem. Right. You know yes. what I mean? Being unavailable for a few hours is a problem. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a relationship like that, where both individuals have a demanding job that requires travel, I believe that they have a general understanding that there's going to be days, there's going to be time that you just won't be available. And that relationship has to make has to make a sacrifice to say, okay, this is our norm. This is how we're going to operate. Yeah. So yeah. I think about that even in the sense of friendships. If you have friends that, for example, um, you know, I don't know, work in the same type of capacity, whatever the case is, there's a level of understanding, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. that there's going to be days that you're going to take off or there's going to be times where you won't be able to access your phone for some hours because maybe you're in a presentation or you're at a conference or whatever. There's an understanding. So I do feel as though when you're operating in that space, you're going to find a lot more alignment than you will like disalignment. Is that a word, disalignment? Yeah, yeah. I think it is. No, I agree with you. I, and I feel like that's why, you know, as people progress in certain fields, they end up losing touch or, or relationships begin to like, people begin to further apart and the gap widens because you start associating with people that understand you. You know, I look at a lot of, uh, you know, like why celebrities date other celebrities because those are the only people that get it. You don't got to explain why I didn't answer for 12 hours because you know I'm on set. I can't, I just mm. can't do that. You know, or I'm traveling, I'm on a flight, I'm on a 12-hour flight from London back to the States. You know what I mean? You don't have to explain yourself as much, you know, and it may be the norm not to speak every day, perhaps. Yeah. But then there are those friendships that no matter what, they're still solid, and those are the people that are I need some Ashley friends. Ashley got some really good friends, bro. But there are few, you know. There's some people that are just going to like you for you. And what I also learned, too, is, like, you know, maybe your friends that you grew up with or your family, like, they don't want the Ashley, the teacher, the the, the Ashley, right? They just want you. Want you. Yeah. You know, and that's okay, too. They're not looking for a Millie. Yeah, they just, (laughs) you know, they just, they just want you. Or sexy mother foxy. I knew that was coming. Sexy mother foxy. I I didn't say it because I didn't remember. (laughs) I knew that was coming. Thank you. I I was guessing. I'm not gonna let it go. (laughs) Yo, Ash, I wanted to tell you, tell you one more thing Mm -hmm. while while you was here. Um, I'm getting a little nervous. Um, because I didn't really prepare how I was gonna say it before I like started talking. Uh You know, sometimes you open your mouth to say something, and but but what I wanted to say was um. We appreciate you for coming through Thank and rocking you. with us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, for real? It was. It okay. was. And I'm honored, honestly. I'm your guys' first guest. That's yeah, lit. Man, that's that's lit. It is lit. It's you super are. lit. That's good. Sexy mother Foxy in the building. Yeah, hopefully y'all got some nuggets and stuff, you know, that's applicable. I love that. Hopefully you got some to nuggets your life. And hopefully this ain't the last time. Yeah, there's a lot we could talk that's about. A, a I know. Lot. I actually got a lot to offer, man. <laughs> for real. For real. This and I'm helpful. pushing myself to share more. I usually don't share. But you know, when God works in your life, it's like, he's not going to keep doing it if you're just going to sit on it. Facts. So, Ooh, say that again. He's not going to keep working in your life if 